This is the Feminem Podcast, the official podcast of Feminem, discussing all things femme, a little bit of EM, and everything in between. I'm Jenny Beck-Esme, Editor-in-Chief of Feminem. Our next Fix 19 talk comes from Dr. Anita Rora. She's the Director of Simulation for Emergency Medicine at Baylor College of Medicine, and she leads diversity and inclusion efforts for her department. Her talk is called The Beauty of Experience. It's about age discrimination and age discrimination's disproportionate effect on women and how, as physicians, we are in a prime position to help combat this problem. Enjoy. My niece was born this year, and she changed my view of the world in an unexpected way. On shift in the emergency department, after meeting her, I imagined all my patients' faces when they were babies. I saw babies with beards and hearing aids, walkers and C-section scars. I listened as babies asked me about STD testing, diabetes management, x-ray results. I told babies they had heart attacks and strokes. My perspective shifted. I realized how much history each person actually had, and I obtain a small part of that history, and it defines them to me in our interaction in the emergency department. But what had they been up to for all of that time before they got to me? A community raised them and nurtured them, and they went on to live their daily lives for years before I saw them. Now I wrote a note that dwindled them down to a disease process. They were so much more. We all start out as babies, and aging begins then. We go on to accomplish millions of things in our lifetime, from learning how to brush our teeth and riding a bike, to making a home for ourselves and our loved ones, and teaching those that come after us. Yet. At a future age, many of us feel that our best days will be past us because we've reached a certain number. That number varies from person to person, but many of us think once we get to age X, we'll see a downturn in our lives because we expect to change less and even stagnate. We also see aging as disease, particularly as healthcare providers, because we see older adults in the healthcare setting. We associate the word elderly with isolation, dependence, and pathology. This supposed disease of aging spares no one, regardless of race, gender, or socioeconomic status. Everybody's doing it. Getting older, that is. Resistance is futile. Yet, sorry, I forgot my second thought there. Um, yet we resist with anti-aging creams, memory improvement apps, cosmetic treatments, and plastic surgery, we aim to turn the clock backwards. In 2018, Americans spent $16 billion on cosmetic, not reconstructive, plastic surgery. 92% of that was spent by women. As women, we particularly resist. I thought we were resisting something else, y'all. I don't know, the patriarchy. <laughs> In an opinion piece in the New York Times entitled The Joy of Being a Woman in Her 70s, psychologist Dr. Mary Pfeiffer writes, for the first time since we were 10, we're able to be relaxed about our appearance. As relieving as it sounds to finally not worry about our appearance, it's frustrating to think we may spend 50 years of our life doing just that. Imagine what we could accomplish if we directed that energy elsewhere over five decades, running for office, being an advocate, an ally, an accomplice.
Loss of a youthful appearance isn't the only thing we fear as we age. Many of us fear disability. Almost half of us fear memory loss. We fear loneliness, financial insecurity, declining health, and we fear all of these things more than death. Sometimes we apply these fears to older adults in front of us, thinking, thinking that they're lonely or dependent or any of the other fears we have for ourselves. This isn't unreasonable, considering that incidence of disease does increase as we age. And this is reality for some older adults. But what are some facts? What percentage of Americans over the age of 65 live in a nursing home? What do y'all think? I'm gonna throw some numbers up here. 35%, 24, 16, four. It's only 4%. 10% of Americans over the age of 65 have Alzheimer's. Yet almost half of us fear these things for our futures because of negative cultural stereotypes and social constructs built around aging, particularly retirement and that magic number 65. Life doesn't automatically end at the age of 65, and fear by almost half of us is not the same as the actual 10 or 4%. We actually get happier and less stressed as we age. Part of this is due to our experiences and realizing that life goes on no matter what happens. For example, after giving a 12-minute memorized talk on a stage in front of 800 people, I will still walk off the stage and my life will continue. A study, showing, uh, a study looking at surveys of over 1 million Americans showed that half of respondents between the ages of 20 and 50 said they felt stressed for most of the day before. But starting at the age of 50, those that felt stressed declined down steadily to 17% at the age of 85. Studying blue zones in the world, or areas where the largest number of older adults live, including centenarians or those over 100, showed that having a sense of purpose can increase longevity. And some studies show that mortality increases around retirement. With a sense of purpose, you could avoid that and increase your longevity, especially if you have things you have from your previous work, such as social structure, activity, and stimulation. We need to rethink this time in our lives. Instead of seeing life as work before retirement and no major plans after, consider that you may have a completely different second adult life during the last third of your life, a period Jane Fonda refers to as the third act. We don't need to only have images of retirement homes and beachcombing. And we need to save for it, particularly as women who outlive men in the US on average by five years. Another reason to keep fighting against that gender pay gap. A change of outlook can get the whole process started. But not changing our outlook doesn't only affect us. It affects people around us, including our patients. A negative attitude towards aging can carry into being ageist. Yes, ageism a bias like racism and sexism with its own associated stereotypes and discrimination. The one thing about this bias is nobody escapes aging. We're all vulnerable to age bias at any age. Ask any millennial how they feel about negative characterizations associated with their generation. There's bias towards the old, towards the young, towards millennials, towards baby boomers, towards every generation that has ever existed. The saddest part about this form of bias, it's that it's against our future selves. 
By internalizing negative stereotypes about aging, we plan to dislike our future. Did you plan to dislike your 20s or your 40s? Why would you do that for your 60s or your 80s? Not sure if you're ageist, confident that you aren't? Consider taking an implicit association test. Project Implicit has implicit association tests for many types of bias, race, gender, sexuality, disability, and age. After taking any IAT, results for a large cohort of individuals that have taken the same IAT as you are shown. Out of 974,000 age IATs taken, almost 1 million, 77% showed a preference for young over old. 15% had no preference, and 7% preferred old to young. I didn't, even fade as, I didn't even fare as well as I would have hoped today, considering my message, with a slight automatic preference for the young over the old when I took it. Ageism extends into healthcare. A study of 6,000 adults over the age of 50 showed that one in five experienced healthcare, healthcare discrimination. Frequent discrimination was associated with new or worsened disability by four years. Our ageism affects our quality of patient care and outcomes. It's ageism when we decide treating pathology in a younger patient is more valuable than treating it in an older patient. It's not the same as a risk-benefit analysis based on comorbidities. It's ageism when we can't figure out what's going on and we decide old age is a diagnosis out of exclusion. Old age isn't even a diagnosis, much less of exclusion. Our cultural stereotypes, stereotyping, shapes our patient's self-perception. A positive attitude towards aging can in increase longevity, so let's not cut our patients' lives short. What about medical research? How many studies have you seen with exclusion criteria for patients over the age of 65? How can we practice evidence-based medicine for our patients over 65 without the evidence? And last, sometimes we speak to older adults in the healthcare setting as if they have a limited understanding of what's going on. This happens often enough that it actually has a name, elder speak. Elder speak is demeaning and can lead to resistance to care, decreased self-confidence, and withdrawal. So I've given you a lot of negative facts here. What can we do about ageism in the healthcare setting? Decide that aging is not disease or pathology. It's a natural part of life. Embrace it. We can control modifiable risk factors and our attitude, even though incidence of disease does increase as we age and we can't control genetics. <coughs> Refrain from elder speak and include adults over 65 in our medical research. Outside of the healthcare setting, consider that generations before us created the world that we enjoy today. Give credit where it's due by appreciating their contributions. I know the world isn't perfect, it's part of the reason why we're all here, but it is pretty amazing. We also need to plan for our financial security by actively pursuing a financial education and continuing to fight for an end to the gender pay gap. Last, we can stop being self-conscious about our age, particularly as women. We are setting an example for everyone around us, women, men, children alike, on how to perceive aging. Let's show everyone that it's not a prison sentence. What do we have to look forward to? 
everything. Look forward to your third act. It could be the most stress-free and enjoyable time of your life. Thank you.